Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be Amen. back. Yay. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so we're, um, we're going to finish this outline tonight. I don't think I had the right one. Let me see. No, you got it. This is where we're starting right here. Oh, I thought it was B. It's D. Okay, so we're starting in section D. And in Jesus' name, we're going to finish this tonight. I said in Jesus' name, we're going to finish this tonight. The word says you shall declare a thing and he will establish it, right? Pastor Tom, would you uh, kind of get us uh, yes. into this section Perfect. here, read, read what we have here? There's a lot of reading here, so stick, stick with us. Excuse me one second. Before we get started, um, for those of you that might not have ever come on a Wednesday night, when we have this kind of a format, we are intentional about doing it this way so that you, this is a night where you can ask questions, where you can share something, you can make an observation or share whatever you like, but just make sure, let's keep it pertinent to the discussion of what we're having here. Okay, you're free to ask any question you want as long as it applies to this subject, okay? So please don't raise your hand and ask me for, to identify the Antichrist. It has nothing to do with <laughs> what we're talking about here. Uh, amen? Amen. amen? Amen. Thank you. And, and, and raise your hand if you have a question. The reason being is we have individuals here with microphones that can come over so that you, so that everybody can hear your question and understand uh, that the questions get recorded also with the rest of tonight. So speak nice and loud, clear. Amen? Amen. So Amen. Praise question, God. Look, there's Bill back there. Say hello to Bill. There's Raina back there. Hi, Bill. So when you ask a question, just look back and wait for the microphone and then you can start your question from there. So, the, so we've been talking about the abundant life, and as Pastor said, it goes along the lines of what we've been teaching on as far as uh, Sunday services with, with our finances. And two of the thing, big things we've been talking about, and I just want to hammer this home because we've been talking about it a lot with the message. John 10.10, 10, um, it says that Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly, right? And one of my favorite scriptures of all time that covers every area of our lives, it's 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So that's really the foundation of a lot of these series. And at the beginning of this lesson, we talk a lot about John 10.10. 10. So two areas we're going to talk about tonight when it comes to the abundant life is the area of healing and prosperity. So the subjects of divine healing, health, and prosperity, they've caused no small stir among churches and denominations. So those who believe in um, healing and prosperity through faith have been labeled the health and wealth believers. Has anybody ever heard that? You definitely heard this one, the name it and claim it one, that group, the confess it and possess it. I don't think I've ever actually well, heard that can, one. Yeah, can, we, can we just stop there first? Because yeah. this is a sore subject okay. for me. I get, this triggers me, okay? Because you'll hear a lot of religious people and you'll read stuff online that will use these terms almost as if they're non-biblical and leading the person that's not familiar with scripture to think that this is 
false doctrine. But I want to ask you the question, if you are born again, how did you get born again? By faith, through, well, it's by grace through faith, okay? What was the vehicle? When you got born again, how did you get born again? Was it because of your good deeds? What did you do? You what? You declared or you confessed with your mouth what you believed in your heart. Is that not confess it and possess it? You declared, you confessed with your mouth what you believed in your heart and you attained and received salvation. Everything in the kingdom of God operates the same way. When you declare God's promises according to his word, you are confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart and therefore you possess the result of that promise. So there are major denominations that ridicule this but claim to be born again. So how did you get born again? You confessed it. You possessed it. Jesus told us that we had this ability. He gave us authority on earth to do what? To gripe and complain? He gave us authority on earth to speak the promises of God in faith and so that we can step into the grace of that promise. So I won't talk anymore. Go ahead, read. Actually, you know what? To, to really um, bring Pastor's point home, we're actually going to get to that in a second as far as salvation. But... Um, Romans 10, exactly what he's talking about when he's dealing with salvation. I want to read the scripture he's referring to. So Romans 10, 8 says, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. And this is speaking of salvation. So Paul, right was, a, Paul was a word of faith person. Amen. So that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Unto salvation. It's right there. Yeah. It's right there. So, where was I here? Okay, so while, while there have been abuses in the area by misguided Christians, there's a solid biblical basis for believing that God himself wants believers healed and healthy in their bodies and prosperous in material and financial matters. Amen. So you might wonder, if it is God's will for Christians to be healed and prosperous, why are so many Christians sick and poor? And perhaps these thoughts have went through our mind. I know that it's gone through, you know, I'm sure it's gone through your mind before. The, but when we look at salvation, right, when we say, okay, we look at healing, we look at prosperity, and we say, okay, well, if it's God's will, then why are so many people sick and maybe don't have money? Well, okay, you could use the same, obviously, the same argument for salvation, right? The Bible teaches that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever, whosoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We see that in John, John 3, 16. So it is God's will for all to be saved. Would we not agree? Yes. He desires for all men on this earth to be saved and what come to the knowledge of the truth. And we see that in 1 Timothy as well. But we know, right, that not everyone will be saved. Why? Because there are make a choice to reject the gospel. They hear it and they make a choice to reject the gospel. Why? Simply because they refuse to believe God's word. They 
refuse to believe in and receive Jesus as Lord. So does that kind of make sense? So it's the kind of falls in line with the same thing, and that's what they're saying here. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, again, they're saying here, well, if a person, God bless you, if a person doesn't confess Jesus as Lord, what are they going to do when they get to heaven? Bang on the door and say, you got to let me in? No, I don't have to let you in. Okay, there's a con it's a condition. But the condition is faith. The condition is not, well, you didn't do enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't pray enough. No, a person, a person doesn't receive salvation and ends up in eternity lost because they did not receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Plain and simple. Um, Pastor Joy, you want to say something? John 1, 11 and 12 says, believe in your heart and receive it. Then you have the right to become a child of God. Right. But you have to, to as many as received him, it says. Yeah. And believe is a verb. It denotes action. So that's exactly. the action you take. Exactly. Does anybody have, at this point, we could stop. Does anybody else have any comments or questions up to this point? Okay. So in the same way, we could see that the Bible teaches it's God's will for all believers to have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. So it is God's will for all believers to enjoy the abundant life, which includes healing, and that also includes prosperity. Yet we know that not everyone will experience healing, Can I health, there? and prosperity. Okay, so, so it's just saying very clear. It's God's will for everyone to experience health, divine health, and divine prosperity. But just like it's God's will for everyone to go to heaven, and they don't, God's will doesn't always come to pass. It's like sometimes people say, well, you know, uh, whatever God wants is going to come to pass. No, that's not true, because if that's the case, Adam would have never fell. Eve would have never fallen. Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. So there, there would be no sin in the earth. It was never God's plan for there to be sin in the earth. So we know God's will doesn't always come to pass because God's will is contingent upon humanity. If we cooperate with him, his will gets done. If we reject him and refuse to cooperate with him, then his will doesn't get done. Why? Because he's not a tyrant. He doesn't force his will on anyone. He never has, he never will. He gives us the choice. It's whosoever believes. When a person refuses to believe, they don't receive salvation. So when a person doesn't receive healing, or when a person spends their whole life in poverty, we don't, we can't, there's no blanket statement to say, well, it was because of this or because of that, because of the other thing. What if somebody's just lazy? They don't want to work. So what is it now, God's fault that the person doesn't prosper? Especially if God gives an opportunity to people. You know? There's many different reasons. People say, well, not everybody gets healed. I remember one time many, many years ago. Well, I prayed for my grandmother. She died. She was 105 years old. <laughs> I mean, come on. Be reasonable. There's, there's, is, oh, there's various conditions and so many different situations that go on in people's lives. I mean, uh, you can ask. Uh, this has happened many times. A person will come up for prayer for healing. Do you believe God can heal you? Do you believe, you believe healing for you? Yes, I do. Deep down inside, they're not. But they're not going to tell us that they don't believe. What they, they're going to walk back to their seats making us think that they're unbelievers. So they'll say yes, but they really don't. Or how about the person who's sick and has massive unforgiveness for others? 
the unforgiveness is blocking the healing from manifesting. Whether that person has wrong ideas about prosperity. Well, I just believe that God wants us to be poor. Well, God, I keep believing that. What can I tell you? <laughs> so you see, it's never happened. Of course it's never happened because your belief system, you have faith in, in, in your idea that God wants you poor. God's not going to overcome that. What's he going to go? Oh, I'm going to surprise you. Boom. Doesn't that make sense? Yet most of us are looking for these other answers that have absolutely no basis in anything. Or, or you, I, There's so many different reasons. I've had individuals, I can think of one individual, got healed of cancer. Six months later, cancer comes, different type of cancer in another part of his body. He was already in his late 70s and said to me, Pastor, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fight this time. I'm just tired. I'm going to go home and be with the Lord. That was his choice. And God honored it. There's all different yeah. reasons. There's no blanket state. Well, how come this we do? I don't know. How come they go? I don't know. When we get to heaven, we'll ask. Why didn't they get healed? But this we know. We know it's God's will for people to be healed. We know it's God's will for people to have abundant life. We know it's God's will for, for us to walk in favor and blessing because he put so much on Jesus to purchase that for us. Why would he, put, why would he make Jesus suffer for those things and then withhold it from us? then Jesus would have the right to go to the Father and say, what did you put me on? Why did I go on the cross? Amen. If you're still going to go, and, and we'll see that as we go along here. It's very simple. This is not rocket science, okay? God's will for us is good. Amen. And you've got to go back to, again, what I've been saying in most of the services for the past month. God's desire is to get all of humanity back to Genesis chapter 1 Amen. and Genesis, the beginning of Genesis chapter 2. That is that this whole book exists to get us back to where the creation was before sin came into the world. Amen. <coughs> so to Pastor's point, why um, do a lot of people not experience healing, um, health, prosperity? Why? Because many Christians refuse to believe God's word on the subject. It's not God's fault, obviously. So many Christians would rather believe their experience or the experience of other Christians, as Pastor said, than to believe the basis of God work, God's word. And something I've been saying a lot on Sunday services is um, kind of when we've been talking about Abram and how he cooperated with God. I don't know. There's a book. I, I, like there's a book that's called. Um, it's by Doug Jones. It's what's the positioning? Back? Positioning yourself for healing. That's it. So I believe it's positioning yourself for healing. It's such a I would write that down yeah, if I was you. Positioning yourself for healing by uh, Doug Jones. Doug, Reverend Doug Jones. It was one of our instructors at Raymond. I'm telling you, that is such a good book. But one of the things he said that really is like foundational for me now, he said to everything in life, there's a God side and there's the a man side. side. And he said this, right? He said, the more you teach and the more you build yourself up on the God side, the easier it is to do the, the man side. side. So now when I build myself up in the word of God, when I'm hearing the word of God, when I'm feeding on the God side, the man side becomes a lot easier. But if I'm a little kind of light on the God side, I'm not too convinced, I'm not 100% sure, the man side becomes a lot harder. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there's a God side and a man side, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So on the other hand, there there's times when believers do believe God's word on the subject but they're still not living in total health and prosperity. Why is this? 
there's, um, there can be various reasons, but we're going to look at a few common reasons. One reason could simply be a demonic attack in the areas of healing and prosperity. If the devil can defeat a Christian in these areas and wear down their faith, then he's accomplished a double victory. First, the Christian who became weary in well-doing and who cast away his or her confidence in God's word in these areas does not experience the, ble the blessings of healing and good health nor abundant prosperity. Second, the devil has now silenced the Christian from preaching or ministering to others in these areas. So not only are we getting healed and blessed for us, we're getting healed, or rather we're living in healing, we're living in prosperity to now bless others. And that's actually something that can bring people to Christ because now they see that in your life and they say, you know, I'm missing that in my life. What are you, you know, why is this happening in your life? And then you can share the gospel with them. So that's an area he tries to silence us. So there's no doubt that in these areas, the Christian must patiently fight the good fight of faith to obtain the promises. It's not easy to do, obviously, but oftentimes takes perseverance and obviously requires long suffering. Do you have anything to add on that point, Pastor? No, let's okay. keep going. So another reason could simply just be a misunderstanding or impatience in regard to the law of sowing and reaping. Sometimes things do take time. Although this chapter does not include an in-depth look at God's laws of giving and receiving, nonetheless, giving is the way to abundant living. Amen. We will reap what we sow, and if you could see here for further study, there's scriptures here. But as we tithe and give offerings to the work of God, we're sowing into God's kingdom. Like any just, seed that is just planted. Add something there. I'm going to be spending a lot of well, all the pastors at the campuses this weekend will be spending a lot more time in depth talking about sowing and reaping, the difference between the tithe principle and the principle of giving. It's two different things. Two different things. Learn that, please, because you need to operate biblically, scripturally. Amen. Tithing is tithing, giving is giving. It's the, they're not interchangeable. Uh, each one of them has separate promises attached to it. Uh, so the giving could be more classified as sowing and reaping. So we're going to spend a lot more time on that on the weekend. Um, so those of you that can't make it on the weekend, please make sure you listen to the message next week. Uh, I guess next Tuesday it'll be online. But this, these are areas. See, nobody purposely, well, I shouldn't say that. Very rarely do you have a person that just says, okay, I know what the word says, but I'm just outright, I'm not doing it. And I'm going to insist on doing things my own way. Well, God bless you. Come back and let me know in five years how, how things are going. <laughs> Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. If God in his mercy, God is love, and if he's gone out of his way to preserve his word for thousands of years, okay, because remember, most of the principles we talk about having to do with um, healing, but more so prosperity and blessing are not in the New Testament. They're in the Old Testament. So, so we need to study those principles. Why would God put all that stuff in there if it wasn't his will for it to prosper? Why would he give us so much direction? True. So much instruction. Like people will say, well, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and working of miracles and all those things, I believe that passed away with the disciples, the last apostles. Okay, well, nobody told God because he made sure in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14, we have so much instruction about the gifts of the Spirit. 
So much instruction about working miracles. So much instruction about speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, prophesying. Why would he give us those instructions for something that was going to die within a couple of generations? It makes absolutely no sense. And people say, well, I don't really believe it's God's will for, for, for prosperity. Then he wasted a whole lot of pages in the Bible because we have so much instruction pertaining to these things. And then Jesus said, you know, heaven and earth are passed away, but my word will never pass away. So just by virtue of the fact that we have so much instruction, when you have so much instruction about something, it's because the author of the instructions expects us to use it for all of our lifetime on this earth. Amen? Amen. So, let's move along because we're running out of time here. And you're making me talk too much. <laughs> I'm going to stop asking them in between things. Right? I got it. I'm back to where we were. So, like any seed that is planted, a period of time will usually pass before we see any evidence of that growing seed. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you can do this with me. Seed. Time. time. Harvest. See, we're Pastor, we're paying attention. I'm telling you, I'm so, proud of you. Proud of you guys. So, do it again, because so, there's some newcomers here that don't know this. Seed, time, harvest. Most of us want seed, time, harvest. I, I, no, I like it like this. Seed, time, harvest. Right? Yeah. I like that one better. So, so if it, it, so it, it was growing all the time, but often we have to wait a season or two, um, to see and reap the full harvest of our seed on a consistent basis. Of course, our harvest will be in direct proportion to the amount we have sown. Again, we shall reap if we don't faint. This, too, is an area where faith and patience must be exercised on a regular basis. So let's look at the scriptures. It's not only faith and patience. I want to add something to this. There needs to, have, there needs to be sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. True. Otherwise, you won't know what season you're in. You need, to, you need to be sensitive. You need to know, okay, right, right. now, Because if you're, you think you're in a season of harvest, but the Holy Spirit's like, no, nah, it's a season of sowing, you're going to get yeah, mixed up. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to go, what's going on? I don't understand this. And by the same token, if you think it's time for you to sow, but yet it's time for, for harvest, you can miss your harvest. So go ahead. Go ahead. So we're going to look at, we're going to, does anybody have a pen? Can you throw? Because he's, he's, he's saying some things that are good, and I want to take notes here. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Do you mind if I stop for a <laughs> Sensitive? To, okay, I got it. So let's look at the scriptures a little more closely. Most Christians will agree that God has the power to do anything. God has the ability to heal and prosper anyone he chooses. The real question in mind of many believers is this. Is it God's will to heal and prosper everyone? That is a big question. We know God is able, but is he willing? Can we prove from the Bible that it is God's will to heal and prosper every believer? We're going to look at the scripture. So, number one. Okay, hold on. I don't know why this outline has this in this order, because I think I would rather do Deuteronomy 28 first and then come to Galatians, because Galatians is the fulfillment of that from the Old Testament. So, we're going to go to two. What about sickness and poverty? Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. You know what that is, right? In the beginning of your Bible? If we can get 28, 1 through 4 on the screen. Thanks. Or no, I'm sorry, 1 through 14. Oh, well, that would be 15. You want to what version that? is that? 
Okay, good. You guys ready? Because there's a lot of reading. A lot of reading. Then we go 14 through 68, right? We'll just go 1 through 14 for now. All right. So this is instruct. Watch this now. Put it in context. This is instruction from God through Moses to the Israelites as they're preparing to go into the promised land. Okay? So whenever you're going to go from one, this is another thing. Whenever you're going to go from one season to the next season, it's a period of transition. You're going to receive instruction from God. Okay, you getting this? You're going to receive instruction from God. Because there's no use in bringing you into a new season and you're there wandering, not knowing what to do in this new season. All right, so you ready? Yes. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently, if you diligently, would you say that, please? Diligently. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, and don't get nervous about this. Let me, let me go through this. There's a reason why I wanted to do it this way. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, what are they getting ready to do? Come on, come on. Where are they going? Who's already in the promised land? There's other nations there. There's giants there. And we're not talking about just tall people. We're talking about giants in the land. Not theoretically, we're talking about giants, freaks, abnormal individuals in the land. Now, let's not go too crazy with that. Maybe that's going to be our next series. Maybe. Okay? So he's saying to them, he's going to lift you high above. Come on. What are we up here by ourselves? Come on. Above all the nations. Well, what are they going to dispossess? They have to get these people out of the land for them to, because it's not theirs. It belongs to God's people. Amen. Now understand this. God has given the nations in that land 400 years to repent. You're going to say, what kind of God do you, you worship a God that wipes out entire cities with men, women, and children? Because they were freaks. Okay, are you listening to me? We're not talking about regular human beings here. Oh, we're going to get in trouble tonight. <laughs> all right. And all, the, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And now he's going to read the blessings. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now remember this idea about being diligently to obey and to carefully perform. Keep that in mind, okay? If you got your Bible, underline it. If you want to make a little note on your phone, whatever. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So what's the contingency here for receiving these blessings? Obeying, how, how? Diligently. Remember that, okay? Verse three, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. In other words, your investments are going to prosper, okay? Amen. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. This is the provision. This is how you prepare your food. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against, who, who rise up against you, to be defeated before your face. Thou shalt come out against you one way, and shall flee before you in seven ways. 
The Lord will command a blessing over you in your storehouse. That's your bank account, okay? And in all to which you've set your hand to, everything you touch, he will bless. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep, if you keep, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. Just, just enough? Plenty. How much? Plenty. plenty of goods. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. In other words, you have an inheritance. The Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain, to give you rain in your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. And we're going to stop right there. When I first started to... Awesome, this is wonderful. You can, we don't talk about this enough. You know, when I first got born again 39 years ago, that's all we talked about was Deuteronomy 28. When you said to somebody, I, I pray the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 over your life, that was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I received that. I received it. Because it's all the provision we need. It's all the favor that we need. It's all the blessing that we need. It guarantees that our families are going to continue for generation after generation after generation. Our investments are blessed. Everything that we touch prospers. But when I first would read this for the, probably the first five to eight years that I was born again, I would read this and I would think to myself, this is wonderful. There's only one problem. I don't always diligently obey the voice of the Lord my God. I don't always observe carefully all his commandments which he's commanded me that day. Verse 2 says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That means, I, listen, that means I don't have to spend my life chasing after blessings. What I need to do is spend my life chasing after God. Because when I, do, when I work his kingdom, then he adds all these things unto me. I don't need to spend my life worrying about where's the next loaf of bread going to come from? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drive? Where am I going to work? He said, if you pay attention to me and do what I tell you, these blessings shall do what? Come upon you and what? Overtake you. But look what it says. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And I'm like, well, I'm done. I, I'm not going to be able to receive these blessings because I, can't, I don't always obey. You don't always obey. We're not always careful and diligent to obey the voice of the Lord and follow his statutes and his principles. <coughs> so what does that mean? We're going to do without? Now we can go to Galatians chapter 3. Now, which side of the cross is Galatians on? Is it before the cross or after the cross? Some of you are not convinced. Which side of the cross is this on? Which side of the resurrection is this on? And you got a little weaker that time too. 
after. Which covenant is this in? Is this the old covenant or the, or the first covenant or is this the second covenant, which the Holy Spirit tells us we have a better covenant with better promises? So you tell me, if a person under the old covenant that was less covenant than we have now could get healed, could get blessed, could prosper, their investments would prosper, and you're telling me now that we have a new covenant with better promises, we're going to live less than what they lived in then? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't add up. Well, watch this now. So what's the, what's the answer to the question, how am I going to qualify for these promises of Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14? How am I going to do that? Why? Because there's a contingency clause. There's a contingency. Anybody that's ever worked in real estate or done any kind of law work or bought any kind of properties or sold any kind of property, there are contingencies, okay? And if those contingencies are not fulfilled, Brendan, what happens if a contingency is not fulfilled after 45 days of that contract? What happens? Where does it go? In the garbage, right? But if, the, if somebody fulfills these contingencies, then we can close on the deal, right? I think this is asking questions for a lot of people. Okay, look now, so look at verse 13 of chapter 3, Galatians. Galatians is written to who? Don't say the Galatians. <laughs> it's written to the church. Amen? So look what it says here. Look at the revelation we're receiving now in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What did we just read in Deuteronomy 28? We read the blessings that pertain to those who obey the law. But when we go back to verse 15, we're going to find out that there is a curse involved to those who do not obey the law. Just like there's a blessing for those who obey, there's a curse for those who disobey. And there's a whole lot more curses than there are blessings. We'll get back to read it, but I want you to see this here because I used, that, that scripture used to stumble me. I mean, I wanted the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 in my life, but how am I going to do this? I'm not perfect. I can't fulfill the contingencies. So that contract for me stayed on the desk, didn't go anywhere until years later I received the understanding that somebody besides me fulfilled the contingencies. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon who? The Gentiles in who? Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So there's two things here to receive. When we come into this relationship with our Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham, which is really what's listed in Deuteronomy 28, and the promise of the Spirit Amen. to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a twofold blessing. It's not only blessing that pertains to the earth, it's blessing that pertains to the realm of the spirit. Are you guys getting this? So let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. I, I lost it now. I took my finger out of there. Deuteronomy 28. The blessings are beautiful, aren't they? 
Would you be content to have the blessings? I would. There's only one problem. Outside of Christ, we don't qualify because he's the only one that could fulfill the contingencies. He's the only one that could qualify for the blessing. But where are you? In Christ. Where am I? In Christ. Where are we? In Christ. That's why in the New Testament you see over and over again, in Christ, through Christ, with Christ, together with him, in him, through him. Do you remember back in the old church when we were young, when the priest would get up? In him and through him and by him. And we stood there going, I don't know what he's talking about. We had no idea that he was quoting this stuff. Okay, so Deuteronomy 28 now. So verse 1, did you want to say something? Oh, no. I was just going to see if, if anybody had any questions. Does anybody have anybody any have questions any up questions until now? Well, let me go. Up to this point. I thought that, that was awesome. Nobody has any questions. All right. Perfect. Good. Okay. So verse 1 through 14 is everything good in life. You could say it this way. Verse 1 through 14 is the Garden of Eden all over again. Where God's trying to get us back to. Okay? However, for those who don't receive Christ, for those who reject Christ, for those who refuse to confess or declare him as Savior, verse 15, but, if sh but it shall come to pass. In other words, you don't have to look for it. It's going to come. You don't have to look for it. It's going to come. That if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully his commandments and his statutes I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Curses. And this would be a good time for everybody to go, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right? So what does it say? Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field, in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. In other words, it is the exact reverse of 1 through 14. And then it gets even better. Uh, verse 25 says, The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. Your cart, look at verse 26. Now, now remember what's happening to the Israelites before Joshua and Caleb get them to the promised land. Not only wandered in the wilderness, their bones are still in the wilderness. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt. And really, this translation should be, the Lord will permit. And really, it's not God that permits. We permit because of our disobedience. Okay? With the, the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, with the itch, from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. You shall grope at noonday. I mean, it doesn't get any better after this. Okay? Your ox, I'm just reading through here. You shall betroth a wife, yet another one shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather it. Now, do you recognize that this is the exact opposite that God spoke to Moses to tell the people of Israel? I'm going to bring you to villages you didn't build. I'm, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells that, the wells that you never dug. You're going to eat from vineyards that you never planted. What is he saying? It's going to be the exact opposite. Let me ask you this question. 
is our life here on earth when we were sinners. And when I'm, don't, don't, I'm trying not to take time to explain this, but we need to explain it. When I say that, in other words, when you had sin nature still in your life, before you got born again, our nature is sin, okay? Is our life here on earth when we're not in covenant with God, when we haven't received Christ, is it not the very opposite of the Garden of Eden? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, a nation that you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor. That literally, all these things literally came to pass in Israel. For centuries and centuries, Israel would raise the wheat, raise the vegetables, and the Roman ships would come and take it and bring it to the rest of the empire. It's happened all throughout history. And what does it come back to? Disobedience. Okay? So then we're sunk because I can't live perfectly. Yes, but there's one that has lived perfectly. And that's why it's so important for us to be in him, to be in Christ, because Christ is the only one that qualifies for Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. Now, what will happen? If you're, not, if you're not aware of this, you'll try to spend your life trying to do every little thing perfect, and all that's going to lead to is frustration. So what happens? Because religion is man trying to do everything possible to please God instead of man bowing the knee, acknowledging, I, I can't do this on my own. And acknowledging that Christ can. And that's why it's Christ in us is the hope of glory. Religion will kill you. Religion will send you to hell. Because you spend your life frustrated. Did I light enough candles? Did I spend enough beads? Did I give enough to the poor? Did I pray enough? Did I read enough? Did I go sit on a mountain for three years? Was that enough? All these things. And, and listen, we live right now, we have a, 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 an entire community of people that live their entire lives trying to please God, only wear certain clothing, will only walk a certain distance on a, on a Saturday, will only eat in certain foods, will do this ritual and that ritual and this thing and that thing, everything but bowing the knee to God to say, I can't do this on my own. Anybody have any questions? Any comments? Pastor Tom does. All right, I just want to, actually, you read, I think you read Galatians from 3 and then 13 on, but I was reading before that. Listen to his comment in light of everything he just said. For his, Galatians 3 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. We don't yeah. live by the law, we're under grace, right? For it is written, cursed is, every, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, and none of us can do that at all. We're all done in that case, right? Like he said, but listen to this, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. Um, excuse me, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet so, the law, so hold on a second, right? explain that. What does it mean? The justified yes. ones... Us will live by faith. So we're walking in these promises by faith, not by, by faith. Much, by receiving it. But faith in yeah. what? 
Faith in the fact that Jesus went before us and he lived a perfect life. And he gives us the opportunity to come to him. Like Pastor Joy has started out before, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 12. To his many, he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. But to as many as what? Received him, he gave them the right or the ability to become children of God. Any questions or comments up to this point? Somebody has to have a question or comment. Sure. Here you go. Don't be shy. Like Pastor said, this is the time to, um, you know, even a comment or can it be a question or Dana? I, I guess I was just trying to, so Deuteronomy is the Old Testament. Galatians is the New Testament. No, no Galatians is confirming Deuteronomy 28. Confirming. Okay, thank you. So how about the piece of grace? Like when we're in disobedience after in the New Testament and we still have that disobedience, Grace is still a piece of it. Like, is, is it? No, grace is all of it. It's all. <laughs> okay. So I guess this goes back to when Christina was talking about in Deuteronomy, because it's the Old Testament, it's law, it's like obey. Like, that's a very strong scripture. Like, this is going to happen. You're cursed. You're cursed in disobedience. So is faith operating then, too? Or is grace operating then, back then, in the Old Testament? I, I'm not or sure that it? I understand your question. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't. Um, it's all about faith and grace. Mm -hmm. it just keeps going God, God, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 is God's grace towards us. But when it was spoken and then it was written, there was no way for them to walk in the perfection of it. So it's pointing to the future. Mm -hmm. It's pointing to the one that would come and fulfill the obligations. That would maybe put it that way to fulfill the obligations of Deuteronomy 28. And those who are in Christ automatically now partake of the grace that's been made available to mankind, not because we obeyed and not because we were diligent and not because we carefully observed to do all that God told us to do, but because Jesus did. You got it? So you and I don't get any blessings personally. They all have to come through Christ. Maybe that's a better way to understand it. Remember it says, in, in, I believe in 2 Corinthians, I'm not sure, but, that all the promises of God are in Christ are yes and they're amen. God said yes and amen to Christ, to Jesus. We're in him. So because God said yes to him, we partake of the blessings pretty much Riding on, uh, standing on Jesus' shoulders, if you want to put it that way. Okay. Does that does that help? It does, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, Carol. <clears throat> In regards to healing, I, a struggle that I have, I believe every single thing that is said and about God's will and prayer and receiving His healing, and I've been the recipient of blessings I can't tell you about healing. How do you reconcile? I, I, where I struggle is trying to reconcile somebody who isn't healed but is faithful, believes every promise of God. How do you know that? How do you know that? We don't know that. We really, we don't know what somebody's believing. 
I've had situations, and I'm sure your husband has probably been involved in them. We've been called to the death side, the deathbed of somebody to be by their side. And they tell us, yes, we want to live, we want to live, we want to live, when the family's there. As soon as the family goes out of the room, they'll tell us, I don't want to live anymore. But they don't want to say it because of the fact that their family being in the room. There's so many different variables involved. We don't know. We don't really know what somebody's believing. We I don't guess, really know. You know in, in being a nurse, too, and I've been at many bedsides of people that, that have passed, I guess I just... I Look, I've been disappointed I, plenty of times of people that have died that we didn't expect to. Yeah. Young people. I mean, I can't believe that every single person that died as a Christian is it's that it's their fault that they didn't have enough faith, or people say that sometimes. Well, that could be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Or they didn't forgive, or... We don't know. And I'm not trying to hide behind that statement. No. We don't know. Because, you see, the line of thought that that produces is that we earn the healing. Well, they were a good person. They came to church every week. They were the biggest tithers in church. Uh, they were faithful. They were devoted. They always read the Bible. We're suggesting that we earn healing, and we don't. Well, you don't. It's given to you. It's God's promise. It's not something you earn. It's something he gives willingly. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to reconcile that for you. I would say this, and, 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 and I say this for anyone who knows someone who's looking to be healed, the most common phrase, and I know I'm painting with a broad brush, but, it, it, that, but I believe I'm on good ground. The most common phrase I hear at the front when I say to someone, do you believe God can heal you? They will say to me. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And in my spirit, I break down. It's, it grieve, it's grieving. They, they, I, I, now, now we can, when we say? recognize that, and I'm sure you've done this because we've talked about it. Now it's our job to take them from hope, hope to faith. To faith. Because faith to. receives. Hope is supposed to develop into faith. faith. Yeah. It's better, when somebody says, I hope so, it's better than them having a negative, like, no, nah, I don't believe he could do this to me. Or, Pastor, I've, been, I've led such a bad life, I don't think I deserve it. There's so many different variables, so many different things. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I remember one case where Somebody just gave up because their family didn't want to take care of them. And they felt like, I'm here now. I might as well just step over to the other side rather than having to go through the heartbreak of being passed from one person to the next and uh, complained about and all this other stuff, having their dignity robbed. There's so many different variables. We could write a book on all those different things. Oh, I was just going to say, as you're talking, I, re I really would write the name of that book down, Positioning Yourself for Healing, because it really walks you through how to yeah. really build up your faith and actually what really takes place when you lay hands on somebody in different ways to pray. And, you know, it, really, it, yeah, and, I, and the one thing I just want to comment on is the one thing I've catch myself lately, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, if somebody else is asking me, like, hey, this person's in the hospital. I've been noticing this. I've been saying, yes, let's, okay, um, I'll always ask, okay, obviously we know they're believing for healing, but maybe there's doctors involved or procedures involved. Okay, what are they asking for? They believe in 
for um, you know supernatural healing to not have to go for seizure. They believe in for this. Does that make sense? Because I want to locate exactly. Yeah. What do you really believe in for? Faith is yeah. because Marty Blackwelder had came to our church one time and told the story that his mom had a, a, a tumor, I believe, on her eye, and he said that he was pushing like, okay, we're believing that it's gone. Let's let. She's like, but that's not what I am believing for. Here's what I'm believing for. She was believing for five specific things that she was going to have a quick recovery. There was going to be no side effects on something, and there was like five different things that I wouldn't have um, any problems, cog you know, whatever. There was all these five different things, and she's like, that's what I'm believing for. They laid hands, and he said all five things came to pass. They were in agreement. So back to what I was saying. So if somebody's saying, okay, this person's in the hospital, and they're in the hospital bed. I've been lately. I've been saying, "What are they believing for?" Right. Too like, not right. what are you believing for? What are they believing? That's for? That's why because sometimes they're ready to go. Like, it's easier to get. It's easier are. to get an unbeliever to heal yeah. sometimes, because so, they're just neutral. They're like, "Yeah, come on, do whatever you got to do." So I want to. Uh, but sometimes a believer who thinks they know a couple of things will argue with you why they should stay sick. So, so to me, and Greg, that I, I feel like it's very important to just. Spend some time with people. Really locate where they're at because we're supposed to be in agreement. And if that person, but that's what a believer. Not, yeah, yeah, with with, right. with a believe. Yeah, with a believer. So if you're with a believer and they're like, okay, I'm praying for my mother. Okay, what you know, where they're at, where are they at in their faith? Are they first? I ask, are they a believer? Are they, you know, are do they believe? I ask, do they believe in healing? And where are they? Because sometimes you you get the sense like I know we've had this a lot. I'll pray with people, and you get the sense that that person is just like, look. Please let me go. I'm ready to go. I fought, and I'm ready, right? And that's not a. Well, we have a couple yeah. of questions. So if anyway, we have that's, time, that's then all. if we have time, then I'll go so, into I'll go anyway, into that. Um, any more questions? I believe over here, Christine. Um, it says right here in um, Galatians three that you had read in eleven. This is the um, Passion Translation. It says, the one who is in a right relationship with God will live by faith. So I know for me, hot mess. You know, I'm a hot mess. And I was able to get to this place of experiencing the abundance of life when I made Jesus my lover. I had to get to that place of making him the lover of my life. That was the right Amen. standing that I walked into because I had the belief and I had the faith, but it was when I collided with him and I realized truly what he did. He took that position of that cross for me, for the sin that I have in my life. I'm Amen. still a sinner, but it was the making him the lover of my life, which means I have had to put things down, job opportunities, relationships, going to events, doing all of this, where I spend more time in the glory than I do in my daily tasks. I will sit at the feet of Jesus with that alabaster jar in the ministering to him. It's, there's a difference that I found in experience in the abundance of life. The difference is coming from a place of ministering to the Lord it's beyond worship. When we minister to him and he ministers to us, things change. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Who had a question over here? Hi. Hi. Okay. 
first time asking you a question. Do you know him? Do you know this guy? Play <laughs> <laughs> won't get in trouble. So in, we're in the last year of Bible keep, school. Keep the microphone up. We're in the last year of Bible school, and we're reading a book um, by Kenneth Hagin, Love the Way to Victory. Mm. And in the book, he talks a lot about healing and unforgiveness and bitterness and, and how that can impede healing and um, how important it is to clear that away because that could be blocking. You have mentioned that. But in the book, he talks about the fact that God is, does not cause sickness. It, he's not causative. But sometimes it could be permissive, his permissive mm -hmm. will, and that he uses all things for his glory in these situations. And like Pastor Tom was talking about, like wanting to find out what the person who's sick, what do they want? Like people, you know, their faith grows as they see people going through sickness and continuing to have faith and that kind of a thing. Does that make well, sense? Well, I, like I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think maybe we can understand a little bit clearer. Mm. God, because he's love, and he has given us free choice, honors our will. He honors our will. He doesn't impose his will upon us. He presents it to us, just like this Bible is an offer to us. Here, if you believe this, this is what you can experience, not only in this life, but more importantly, into, in eternity. But he doesn't smash it in your face and tell you, this is what you believe, this is who you are, this is what I want you to be. He gives us the choice. When a person gets tired, and this happens a lot with people with chronic situations as far as we're talking about sickness and disease. You get to the point where you're like, what am I hanging around here for? Especially, and I've seen this happen many times, more times than not, where God will give the person who's sick a glimpse of the other side, a glimpse, a glimpse of heaven. If you and I saw heaven, even if we were 100% healthy, we'd go, can I come right now? <laughs> Who wants to hang around in this dump when you've got a, a, a vision, you caught a glimpse of the other side? Um, I remember many years ago, most of you were not part of the church at that point in time. There was a handful that were. There was a woman that got hit by a car here, right, right on the corner. In fact, she was coming to midweek service, parked across the street. It was dark out. Somebody else from the church who was coming to church hit her, okay? And some of you might remember me telling this story. She had a son. She, had no, there was, she was a single mom, one son. She was in serious condition. I ran to, with her son, took her son, went up to Jersey Shore, and they took her immediately into the crisis unit and all that stuff. And so I'm praying, 2.30, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm praying in the hallway with my face pressed up against the glass, it was a really dreary, rainy night. God, do not let this woman get a glimpse of the other side because she's had such a tough life. If she gets a glimpse of the other side, she's gone, and I'm going to have to raise this kid. And I would have. I would have. But it, was, it wouldn't have been God's best for him. Weeks later, when we finally got a chance that she came out of it, out of a coma, she finally got a chance, I said to her, Tell me what you saw while you were... She said to him, I'm so angry, I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I said to her, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she said, I had such an expectation to see Jesus, such an expectation to see the other side, and I said, I'm sorry, it's my fault. 
And I told her why. Now, where did I get that from? When I was in Bible school, and you could read this in Brother Hagin's books, when he was pastoring a church, and we're talking probably in the 1930s, 1940s, the guy who was his Sunday school director over his entire Sunday school classes uh, was a gentleman that worked in some type of a, a factory or something like that and had an accident and got mangled in a piece of equipment and is in the hospital. He's still alive, but very critical condition. And Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen, said they went to the hospital. You go to the hospital, and he would pray, God, please bring this man out. He's the best Sunday school teacher we have. He's faithful. He's devoted. He's the biggest tither in our church. I need this man here. Okay? So the guy, after a couple of days, comes out of it and says to Brother Hagen, <coughs> Jesus told me I had to come back. He said, Jesus said, Brother Hagen won't let go of you. <laughs> he said, I, had to I wanted to stay. And he said, Jesus said, I can't let you stay. Brother Hagen won't let go of you. Now, the guy lived and lived for many years after that. People say, well, when your time's up, your time's up. That's baloney. There's no place in the scriptures that says that. God honors our choice. God honors our will. God honors our desires. Okay? Why would it say at the end of Psalm 91, with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation, if he was going to be the one to determine when your life is over? It's contradictory. Well, God knows when your number's up. No, 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 no. He's waiting for you to decide. Christina. Um, I love that you touched on that about God being a gentleman. So two kind of um, different circumstances, but so I had lost my brother three years ago, and um, it was um, a situation that we didn't see coming. It was very sudden. And um, I remember just praying so hard and I remember reaching out to you and everyone was praying and um, it was an unfortunate situation and I remember being so upset at the Lord and just really questioning like you know I, I mean I prayed and I was really you know just I, I, I did everything I thought I could right then I I go into Bible school and I remember learning so much if you guys are contemplating joining Bible school, y'all need to go. But that was just a little extra. But um, I remember reading um, the book, Pastor Jerry, forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong, but um, what was it, the healing? It was one of the healing books. We read like a million books. Christ the Healer, was it? I think so. And I remember not being able to get through like the first five pages because I was just distraught. Like I of was course, like, yeah. Man, like I is this, I didn't pray enough. And then I went through like the guilt that I didn't pray. I didn't have, I didn't have the knowledge of the power and authority that I had within me. I felt like it was power unused while I was in the room. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I would have kicked everybody out of that room. No one would have been allowed in that room. It would have just been me and him. I would have been, you know, professing all these things over him. But at the end of the day, like the Lord just gave me this, this, beautiful piece that like he knew him more and he loved him more than I could ever love him and he knew his struggles and my brother struggled a lot mentally and he loved Jesus with all his heart and soul but um, he struggled with this one sin and 
I, I just feel like that was just a moment where God honored that and God knew him and knew his heart. And I'm sure my brother was like, I'm out of here. Take me home, you know. But um, and then, you know, that was that. And then you see the flip side of it where you guys know brother um, Dan Dobos and like where he has come from and watching the progressive and miracle just watching like it's been like a year and change and watching him like respond to like how he first was in the hospital and like, he could barely like make eye contact with you he couldn't communicate with you and now he's like worshiping he's reading the, the he's reading right. like De books Derek. You, you start the scripture and he finishes it. Yeah, he finishes it. He's like, pray with me. We take communion. Like, he's just, he, and, and God honors that. Like, God sees his heart. God, you know, and so at the end of the day, like, as many questions as we may have, God knows them. God knows us and has formed us and knitted us together, and he knows our desires, and he knows our heart, and he's such a gentleman. He knows the end from the beginning. Yes, he's the alpha and the omega, and we just have to trust that he, his will is, is way better than what we could, so. Sorry that was so long. Amen. Go ahead. Um, just kind of piggybacking off of Christina, it's like she was in my head. Um, because I lost my mom uh, last year. And I just want to encourage people that when they're praying for a loved one, stop living for yourself and start listening to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit told me long before my mom was passing that she was going to pass. And I kept ignoring her. I was like, that's the devil, that's the enemy. <laughs> I'm listening to that. But when I stopped thinking about what I wanted, and started listening. I realized she had been telling me she was tired. The Lord sent a Christian nurse to call me on the phone, and she's like, listen, the doctors aren't even telling you what's really happening. She's like, and I know you're a Christian, and I know you don't, you feel like you're not giving your mom every chance. She's like, but I'm telling you right now, sweetheart, I'm here with her every day. She's tired. She wants to go, and you gotta let her go, because she'll sit here and wait for you. Yeah, because we could keep people here. We can keep them, and it's selfish. Yeah. And, like, and you know, sometimes they'll stay just long enough until we get it. Yeah. That we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be, you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You know? I literally sat in her room, and the nurse was like, "Oh, well, when we disconnect her, it's gonna go pretty quickly." Blah 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 blah. And everybody who knows my mom knows she's stubborn, and she can, makes Excuse me a second. Can you go to Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, please? Don't put it up yet. Just yeah. go ahead. She does nothing the way people say she's going to. So they disconnected her. They're like, it'll take 20 minutes or so. Four hours later, nothing's changed. She's breathing on her own. Her heart's still strong. She's like, I'm and, going when I'm going. Yeah. And I sat there and I said, Pastor Beth was there. And I said, Pastor Beth, you know, she's so stubborn. She doesn't even die right. <laughs> and we all started laughing and she started to go. Once she knew we were okay, she was done. So yeah, you hear that so many times. People say, "My God, they waited till every last family member got the chance to say goodbye." That's not a coincidence. Wow, Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-nine. You got it up there. You want to read it out loud with me? Ready? One, two, three. 
The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us, to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There's secret things that belong to him that we're not going to know on this side of heaven. Stop frustrating yourself by asking the question over and over and over again. It's a secret thing, okay? Is he not king? Does the king deserve to have secret things that he doesn't want shared with anyone? Let it, let it rest. Let it rest. Now, if a person, if he, if he gets sick, I say fight and fight and fight. Don't just roll over and let the devil take you out. If you're going to go out, go out on your terms. It's like, it was a perfect, thank you for sharing that, because that was a perfect experience to share on a night like tonight. And, and the peace, even, even at your mom's viewing, the peace that was there was unbelievable. It was like God's going, I got this. Hallelujah. Anybody else before we shut this out tonight? Yes, son. So to pick up back off of both of their stories, um, I lost my grandfather in February. He's not a, he wasn't a very big believer or anything, or at all. But I've been touched by the Spirit so many times, so did my grandmother. And when um, it was time where he was in the hospital and everything, uh, I prayed. God, you did so much. Just lay those same hands on him. He still belongs here and everything like that. 20, maybe 20 minutes before my grand, my um, grandfather died, my dad was going to be going on a plane to New Zealand. That same hour, within that hour, they canceled his whole trip. There was a typhoon <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> He would, my father wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have been able to get to the hospital. It, he would have been alone. And I believe that, yes, I was praying for this grim miracle of life and everything, but we got a typhoon in New Zealand so we could all be with him. And that, I believe, when we pray for these miracles, yes, very unexpected things can happen. Amen. Because God's good and he's faithful. Amen. All he's looking for is faith. Amen. All he's looking for is for somebody to trust him and believe him. Amen? Amen. 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 We got to go. It's quarter, well, eight, it's 16 minutes after eight. And some of you got to go pick up your kids and get them ready for school tomorrow. So God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come on up. If not, God bless you. Make sure you're here next week. We're going to start something new. <laughs>